I'm Christy Hairston, your 2020 president, and this is the Greater Nashville Realtors podcast. Now that things are starting to pick up, I wanted to talk about how we can better serve our clients in this new landscape. We will be touching on specifically how to work with buyers and sellers today. I know the year is going by fast, but I'm so glad that we get to talk about this issue today. And I brought a special guest and one of Greater Nashville Realtors Power Partners, Kevin Little, with Regions Mortgage. Kevin is a dedicated mortgage professional who has experience in all types of loan programs. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Christy. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm excited and, um, you know, I, I feel special. You call me special. So thank you for that. You are special, <laughs> Kevin. So you can take that with you. You can take that with you this year. Okay. Because it's been a special year. So that's for sure. It has. Um, and with that, you know, I know there's so many things that have happened. Uh, we've hit on all this year, a little bit of unemployment and furloughs and people trying to figure out their job. So can you, when it comes to the new landscape, you know, after the virus and pandemic, I'm seeing questions from realtors surrounding mortgage approval. So Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about the best way a buyer can be prepared for getting a mortgage in the current market? Absolutely. And, um, you know, fortunately, post, you know, post 2008, a lot of things got buttoned up in the mortgage world. And so, you know, I would say for the most part, a lot hasn't changed. Uh, some things have changed for sure. But, um, you know, the, the main things still say the same for, for any buyer, you know, get pre-approved on the front end. Let us go ahead and still run your credit. Let's, let's see where thing, how things look. Um, and, you know, and right now I would say maybe one of the important things is for borrowers maybe that have had payments on forbearance, um, whenever we pull their credit, it's going to show that they have no payment due. Well, we know that they have a balance and they have a payment due. So we're going to need to verify what were they paying before. Um, for instance, if their mortgage is, is on forbearance, we're going to have to show that they've made three consecutive payments before we can, you know, do a new loan for them. So, um, and that's kind of through just the agency guidelines and I'm sure most, most banks are following that. So it's, it's going to be, you know, potentially specific. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just help us tell your story. You know, if your mortgage lender is going to ask you, Hey, have you been furloughed? You know, how has this impacted you? Have you had to take a pay, you know, decrease? <clears throat> I think things like that are going to be important. Just, you know, help us as, as far as your mortgage lender, help us tell your story to underwriting because underwriting is going to be asking. Yeah, that's a great way to say it, to make sure that they can help to tell the story. Um, I've been hearing that the longer it drags out with whether or not people are furloughed at whatever point that is, that maybe if they try to buy a house next year, will the loan officers remember 2020 and to ask the buyer for that story? Right. And I would say, you know, for the most part, yes. I mean, loan officers will underwriting, you know, we'll have to help, have to help tell that story. And, um, you know, I think that'll impact self-employed borrowers more than, you know, W-2 wage earners, maybe who are furloughed for, for three months. Because uh, with a with a W-2 employee, once we can show, you know, they're back at work and they have 30, 30 days of pay, um, you know, that that's going to be easier to explain than for, you know, a self-employed borrower, maybe who this is, extremely impacted, whether that be, you know, musicians or writers, um, 
people that, who own, you know, businesses that have had to be shut down, um, it's obviously going to impact their, their income, not just now, but also when they start reporting that. Um, and, and I was actually speaking with my manager before the call just to kind of get his thoughts on, on that. And we don't really know yet, you know, in, in 2021, what that's going to look like. Um, so, you know, that, that's a question that, that's yet to be answered. Well, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting. And I'm glad you brought up the difference between, you know, kind of the W-2 and the independent contractor, some, uh, you know, on wage wage earner. <laughs> um, but so tell me this, because you mentioned underwriting uh, just a second ago. So what are some tips that buyers can give or that you can give buyers for preparing for underwriting? I would say, you know, be prepared is, is one of the things and, and be, you know, be proactive with us as far as, um, you know, your lender and be patient with us as well. I mean, you know, we're all, we're navigating, you know, these waters as well. And uh, some of our guidelines are changing, you know, weekly. Um, so just, you know, if you're, if your loan officer asks you for something, just be prepared to give it. Know that we're not just asking for it to be asking for it, that, we, we are asking for it for a reason um, that underwriting is wanting to, to see something else here. Um, so I, I think that's probably the biggest thing is just, you know, be patient and be proactive with us um, and, and helping get your loan, you know, from, from beginning to closing. So that brings up another point. I've been hearing agents ask that our realtors ask the question of um, how can I help my buyer? Because, you know, because in Tennessee we've been essential and our practice has been essential throughout the pandemic and we have lower inventory, you know, house prices are still rising and some people are getting into multiple offers. So I've heard some realtors say, you know, if I want my buyer to really have a leg up, then I want them to be pre-qualified versus pre-approved or pre-approved versus pre-qualified. So I wanted to get your take on that and what the difference is. Yeah, so a pre-qualification is basically you verbally communicate with me what your income is, what your assets are. I don't physically actually view those um, documents. I do run credit on a pre-qualification to make sure that your credit's good. Uh, on a pre-approval, the, the difference is I actually you actually give me the document. So I actually look at your pay stub. I look at your W-2. I look at your tax returns. I analyze them. Uh, the same way with your asset statements. I look at look at those, see if there's any large deposits. I ask you questions on that. Um, so the, the pre-approval process is just a lot more detailed than just getting a pre-qualification. Because if you give me a pre-qualification and you tell me I make XYZ and then I get your pay stub or your tax returns, those may look totally different. And while you were pre-qualified, you're not pre-approved because the actual, what I could actually verify is different. So it's always better to get a pre-approval, you know, check with your lender, whoever it may be, you know, that's why we all work with people that we trust. Um, and, I, and I'll tell that to anybody. I, I want to view the documents. I want to look at them. I want to verify before I put my name on the line that you're good to move forward. Right. That's a great point. And what is the timeline difference? So if a, if a realtor gets called today and a buyer wants to go look at a house and they say, hey, you know, it would really help based on what you're looking for if we can go ahead and get pre-approved first. What, what is the average timeline to make that happen? Of course, Kevin, pending that the buyer gave you everything you needed right when you said you needed it. Yeah, and that can, that can change too. Uh, honestly, the only difference would be if it's, a, if it's a conventional loan versus an in-house bank loan, like a jumbo loan. Um, you know, normally, 
um, you know, that, that's where you're going to want to work with an experienced loan officer. So, you know, on a conventional loan, I can run the, those loans through automated underwriting through Fannie Mae's desktop underwriter or um, Freddie Mac's loan prospector. I can run those through and they tell me on the spot, you know, whether, whether you're good to go or not. Um, for, for jumbo loans, um, we're right now, just with the amount of, you know, refinance volume that we're also looking at, we're, we're trying not to send a lot of the pre-approvals down to underwriting um, for them to review. We, we're trying to just only send files that are, that are active, that are, you know, where they have a contract. Um, but that's where an experienced loan officer is going to be able to look at the tax returns, know what we're looking at, and, and give a, a very good, you know, estimation. You know, nobody's ever going to be 100% correct. But that's where an experienced loan officer is going to be able to look at the situation, assess it, and let you know, you know, in their opinion, whether they're, they're good to move forward or not. I know for myself, I'm not going to put my name on anything if I'm not, you know, 99.9% .9 sure that we can move forward. And if I do have reservations, that's when I'll reach out to underwriting to say, hey, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Perfect. And you mentioned refinance. So I've been hearing, you know, that some files are being held up because the refinance market is so busy right now. Um, do you think that lenders are now putting uh, purchases before refinance or what's that system looking like? Yeah, so I, I can't speak for all lenders. I can only speak for what we're doing at Regions, but uh, at Regions, we always prioritize purchases over refinance because we know, on, you know, that's the lifeline of our business. Um, you know, rates can go up tomorrow and, you know, the refinances will go away. And if we don't, you know, continue our relationships with, with our realtor partners um, and with their clients to, put, to really emphasize purchases that we're really going to put ourselves um, on the back burner. And I think that's what happened with a lot of lenders, uh, you know, back in, in the early 2000s and even, you know, 2008 through 2010, I think a lot of our lenders realized, hey, we, we cannot prioritize refinances. We have to keep our focus on purchases because it really is what keeps the market moving forward are the purchase transactions. So for regions, we, you know, we, we focus on that. Um, we're still getting our purchases through, you know, in 30 days. So, and I mean, rates right now are great. So, you know, that's another reason for people to be buying homes right now is, you know, the 30-year rates are still on the conventional side or in the low threes. Um, you know, on the, on the jumbo side, they're, you know, mid, mid, mid to high threes. Um, so, I mean, the, the interest rates right now are still really attractive and it's a great time for people to get out and, and to be buying homes. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that's good to remind buyers, especially in this market where they're wondering, you know, when is the best time and maybe the market's going to tank. So maybe I should just wait and see. Um, but a 3% or under somewhere, you know, under that amount for an interest rate, that's pretty good. It is. And I mean, it, it can really cost them. I mean, you know, the average 30 year interest rate for the last 30 years is still, um, I believe it's 5%. Um, and that's, and that's with, you know, rates being as low as they've been. Um, it's actually, sorry, 6% is the average 30 year rate for the last 30 years. So, you know, a couple of years ago, rates got up to 5% and the market kind of, you know, didn't really know what to do. So, I mean, the fact that rates are where they are right now, um, it's still fantastic. The only other thing I, I just thought of that I wanted to point out is um, when we get into those larger loan amounts, a lot of lenders right now, because of, you know, just the unsteadiness of the market, there's been a lot of lenders who are, who are getting out of the jumbo market, the jumbo mortgage market. So a jumbo loan is anything over 510,000 um, is, is considered jumbo. In Nashville, um, we can lend up to 563,000 
um, on, on a Fannie Mae loan, um, just their high balance loan. So really anything over that, you know, we're, we're having to kind of think of some creative ways. I know other lenders are as far as are we going to start doing, you know, a 60% first and then, you know, a 20% second. Um, and then, you know, put 20% down or whatever. So that, that's something else just to pay attention to, especially on the, on the loans maybe that are or the homes that are higher, you know, when you get in the million, million and a half, you know, type, type houses, um, is just, is your lender still lending money? If they are, is it still, you know, at a, at a good rate or, or, or not? So, you know, that, that's something else just to pay attention to right now. Cause I know at regions, we're still lending that, you know, in that arena, and I'm getting a lot of calls from other lenders who, who are no longer, you know, competitive or are totally out of that market. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. That has been something that realtors have mentioned is, you know, there was something like, hey, I think all jumbo loans are being held up for 30 or 45 days. So it's good to know that some lenders like yourself um, are also doing jumbo loans, but the realtor really needs to check with you prior to kind of making that offer to make sure they're getting the same rate. Is that still the same 30 day turn time? On a jumbo mm-hmm. loan? It is, yeah. So there, there'll still be the same turn time as well. Great. Well, thank you, Kevin, for being on with us today. And thank you to Regions Mortgage for being a 2020 Power Partner at Greater Nashville Realtors. You know, if anyone has questions for you or would like to get in contact with you directly, Kevin, how can they do that? Absolutely. And thank you again for having me. It's been really fun. I always enjoy our partnership with you guys. Y'all are, y'all are fantastic. Um, the best way to reach me is going to be through email, which is kevin.little at regions.com. Uh, you may also call, call or text me on my cell phone, which is 615-516-9146. Awesome. Thank you. Now let's transition to talk about working with sellers in the current market. Working with sellers right now is very similar to how it was before, but I believe I've got about five tips that could be helpful for you to make working with sellers successful in today's market. Number one, pricing still matters. That's right, pricing still matters, and there's more to do than just your typical comparative market analysis from three months or six months back as far as pricing is concerned. So you may wanna take a more in-depth look of month-to-month inventory, what's available, what's active, what's pending, and what is closed in the past 30 or 60 days. Why is that important? Well, you know, at the first part of the year, we were not in any kind of pandemic at all. And so numbers and prices of properties could look drastically different than they do on these last few months. Now, you're saying, Christy, how could it be drastically different? I don't mean in a negative way. We know that our inventory started declining sometime uh, early April. So as that inventory has declined in some areas, there's some pricing that has probably gone up in some areas tremendously more than it was at the beginning of the year. So you wanna make sure that when you're doing that pricing for the seller, that you are taking the time to use all the resources that you have available to you to determine what that property, um, not the value, because we don't determine that, but the range of the selling range that that property should be in. You can use, of course, what we have in our local MLS, You can, of course, use the tax record, but you can also look at showings. Uh, Many of us use various showing services that give us reports that talk about what the showing activity is per price point, which can be broken down by 10,000, 50,000, or even 100. And that way, that may be another tool you can use 
to make sure that you price that home most effectively and help that seller accomplish what they want to accomplish, which we know is typically helping them getting the most money they can out of the property or perhaps moving fast. So definitely know what their motivation is and know that pricing matters. Number two, consider that in this market, what are the alternative ways for buyers to view that seller's home? Now, if you're thinking about this, when you sit down and do your typical seller consultation, which when I say typical, it may not be typical at all because you might not be meeting with them in their home. You may be doing it virtually. But either way, when you do that appointment, you definitely want to find out what they're most comfortable with. Some buyers and sellers are going to be totally fine walking through properties that are occupied. Some sellers are going to be fine having buyers walk through. Some sellers are not. So you really want to sit down, find out what your seller is comfortable with. And depending on what they're comfortable with, you want to be able to provide them resources on alternative ways that the property can be shown. So a number of realtors are moving to really great virtual walkthroughs on property. Some realtors are moving to a digital floor plan where buyers can see every angle of the home. So you might want to look at those. Now, I know that there are a number of photographers right now that are offering varying services for uh, digital walkthroughs, 360-degree tours, and other virtual ways that buyers can look at a property online and feel very comfortable with making an offer subject to viewing the inside. The other part is, you know, maybe your seller feels comfortable with buyers walking in, but they'd like you to provide that buyer with shoe covers or gloves or masks, or they would love for, to have some kind of um, sanitizing wipes that they can use to wipe down the property after. Um, I know that there are a number of realtors that are also making great door hangers to put on the door, encouraging the buyer and buyer's agent of what to do while viewing the property. So you want to sit down with that seller and say, here's how people have been showing properties effectively, even during a pandemic, especially if they're not comfortable with that. Last thing I'll say on that is a number of sellers prior to a showing have all the lights on in the house, already have all the doors open and are encouraging that buyer's agent not to turn off one light or close one door. So definitely have those alternative ways for buyers to view the seller's home that makes the seller the most comfortable. All right, number three, I've said it already, make the seller as comfortable as possible. This is not the time for you as a realtor to go in and say, well, I'm not worried about using gloves or I prefer everyone use gloves or everyone wear a mask. This is the time that we really have to go back to the things that we learned in our initial training that says, you know, ask the seller what they want, ask the seller how they want to be communicated with. Ask the seller what they feel comfortable with. And then you go ahead and make whatever modifications are necessary to make that seller feel comfortable. I can guarantee the more comfortable the seller feels with the process, then the faster along you can get that property sold for them. All right, number four, what resources are, or options are available in case the seller can't find suitable housing? So this is where we've got to go and we've got to update our typical listing consultation. And we have to come up with maybe frequently asked questions for this market. I've already told you that we have lower inventory in some areas, which makes it a little challenging for people who are selling their home to find the home that they want to move into. So 
include on your frequently asked questions, what are some options in case we sell your home before you found your perfect dream home? So what are some of those options? Well, the first one I would say is temporary occupancy agreement. Now I know I said that kind of softly because it's not my favorite. Even though I know in a number of states, uh, people use temporary occupancy agreements all the time. We may see a rise of sellers remaining in properties after the closing going forward to help them to find uh, suitable housing for themselves or to feel comfortable with moving out. So during your listing consultation, you might talk through what temporary occupancy looks like if you feel that that would make your seller more comfortable with selling their home. Now, again, that could be for two, three, 10 days, whatever the seller feels comfortable with. And that way, if you know that, you can market their house appropriately online. The other part that you might consider when figuring out if the seller can't find where they're going to go is does that seller's home qualify for one of the investors, such as an iBuyer or an investor purchase prior to finding the home that they want to uh, purchase? So you really want to use all the resources available to you to know what options those sellers have in regards to them not being able to find a home yet. You definitely want to make the RF707 additional contract uh, language form one of your best friends during this time, because in there you're going to find special stipulations that talk about um, what to do if we need an approval for others, what to do in case my client needs to find suitable housing. All of those are already written up for you in that 707 uh, additional contract language form. So if you haven't printed that form out, it may be good for you to take a look at it and highlight some of the special stipulations that could be important for you during that time. All right, and the last tip I think that's important in working with sellers in today's current market is letting them know what to expect. What should they expect for showings right now? And again, this is when you go back and you might want to use your showing report and say, you know, for properties typically listed within the price range that we are looking at, the weekly showing rate of those properties is X. I know, even though real estate is changing, many sellers still feel like when their house goes on the market, they're going to get multiple showings that day, multiple offers, and the property is going to sell. And that is still happening in a lot of places, but you want to give your seller proper expectations for what's happening in their market. And you have some great tools and resources to be able to do that. Number two, what happens when the buyer is going to view their property? How fast do we get feedback? Um, what are we going to do as far as any tools or resources that we will provide to that buyer to make showing that house uh, most effectively? Number three, what about the COVID addendum? You know, we hadn't really talked about the COVID addendum typically on a listing appointment, but this will be a good time to bring up, hey, when we get an offer on your property, the buyer may submit with that offer the COVID addendum. Now, if some of you have never heard of the COVID addendum, it is one of the documents in your, um, for Tennessee Realtors, in your documents for um, the seller's packet or buyer's packet. It is called the COVID-19 addendum. In that addendum, it talks about an extension to all of the preliminary contingencies because of COVID-19. So you want to make your seller aware of that form 
because that's not something that's in their standard purchase and sale agreement. Next thing, what is what should the seller expect with home inspections, termite inspections? Are those still being done? What happens during those? What about a radon inspection? What's the typical delay and what causes um, should I be prepared for based on how that report comes back? Or what about closing? There used to be closing. Some people are still closing uh, their transactions in person. Some are driving up and doing parking lot closings. They just need to be prepared for what that looks like. And if they're relocating to another state, hopefully you can connect them with a realtor there. And hopefully real realtors are still essential in that area. But what if they're not? You want to really walk them through what that's going to look like as best as possible. If we can answer as many questions for our sellers prior to putting that home in the MLS and putting that sign out in the yard, I really think that's going to help us in today's market with making sellers feel comfortable with putting their houses on the market for now. So if you haven't connected with a few of your sellers in the past or people in your database, this is a great time to call them debunk a few myths that people have. And sometimes it's not just myths. They're just having so much communication and information thrown at them. They don't know what to believe. So it's always a great time to call your database, check in on them and let them know what's happening today in real estate from your point of view. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I look forward to tuning in with you guys next month. And again, if you ever have any kind of topics that we should discuss in the show, please email us at communications at greaternashvillerealtors.org. See you next month.